This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I want to start off by giving a big thanks to every one of you tuning in today. And uh, let's jump right into things. You know, there's some updates I want to offer, but we can save those for, for the end of, of the podcast. You can stick around for those. A couple things that I want to talk about with my channel. But I know you guys are here for content, and so we can jump right into things. You know, I'm going to be talking a lot about precious metals today, no surprise there, and, and inflation. And, and I know sometimes it can seem like um, I and, and so many others are being repetitive or, or beating a dead horse on inflation and precious metals and that's probably very true. Those are valid assessments and valid criticisms. But but part of why I recently have been harping so much on rising inflation, especially here in the United States, is because it really is in so many ways a game changer. It it puts the Federal Reserve in a difficult position. It puts, I think, eventually politicians in the U.S. government and, and their fiscal policy in a difficult position. It it, it certainly complicates, uh, debt markets and, and, and basically every market that has been predicated on this idea of low interest rate and, and easy access to debt and, and, you know, money. Um, and, and it, it is hugely impactful on the precious metals markets because of those aspects. It's not just a simple argument of, well, silver and gold are, are hedges against inflation and they're going to uh, um, maintain their value. That's absolutely true, but but it goes so much deeper than that. And and so I want to break that down here and, and talk about why inflation is such a big game changer. And, and I also, before we get into things, want to re- maybe reiterate something I, I haven't talked about as much in the past, and that's that this is not necessarily just unique to silver nor just silver and gold. But in many ways, this is something that is going to affect a lot of assets that maybe you could deem unloved assets, value assets. Uh, you know, I touched on this a bit in my, my interview last week with, with, uh, Steve Penny from the Silver Charters Report talking about the fact that there's a lot of, of very expensive assets out there. And sometimes investing, especially in times like these, it's, it's about finding what's not expensive. Right. You look at and that's not to say the expensive things won't get more expensive and go up in price. You, you look at uh, there's a ton of egregious examples of it in, in the tech space in in really high growth, low profit or no profit companies. Um, like I said, the tech space, um, EVs and, and green energy and and meme stocks and, and cryptocurrencies. And there's a lot out there that's expensive. And there's not a whole lot that's not expensive. But this is not exclusive to silver and gold. It's just that, you know, for a while there, uh, I think it's still the case today, silver remains one of the most undervalued assets on the planet. You know, it's it's the only asset that here in 2021, you know, 41 years late, later, is lower than where it was in 1980. 1980 was a very good year for commodities and 
but but 41 years of inflation have, have come to come and gone and, and and silver's still not at that level but this isn't exclusive to just precious metals here but but I want to talk about why inflation changes everything and and I think the first thing we need to understand in relation to precious metals silver and, and gold uh, is is their relation to to interest rates interest rates are hugely important for silver and gold they have been for a while now um, and and we've seen these trends basically in which lower interest rates, and I'm not just talking about like the Fed funds rate, but also treasury rates, global um, um, sovereign uh, bond yields. Uh, you can even use, you know, sometimes like a global uh, 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 negative yielding sovereign debt as as a good benchmark for this as well, that interest rates and precious metals are inversely correlated, meaning when yields go down, when rates go down, precious metals go up. And a big part of that is that, um, you know, there's always this argument against precious metals or, or otherwise assets that are seen as value assets and whatnot, uh, that, that something like silver, something like gold, they don't, they don't produce anything. They just sit there. And yet when, when you compare them to something that is actually negative yielding, um, not just in, in terms of like real rates, but, but actually nominally negative in some, in case some of this, um, you know, foreign, uh, sovereign debt. Something like silver and gold start to make a lot more sense. It certainly makes sense as well when we're talking about real rates, you know, rate of inflation is 3%, let's say, and, and a treasury bond, a 10 year or 30 year or five year yields 2%. Well, it's negative 1% in terms of real rates real interest rates because it's a full 1% below the rate of inflation. You're losing purchasing power and you're not gaining it back through that yield. And and that makes silver and gold a more attractive investment. Now we're we're moving into this high inflationary environment though. And 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 what I want to try and get across here is that this can go one of two ways in in the coming years. And and it, and it can go both ways in the sense that yields can follow inflation to the upside. They can be suppressed by, by, uh, synthetic demand, um, through the Federal Reserve and other central banks. Um, and there's also a third option in which yields rise in line with inflation, but stay behind the curve, so to speak. In the sense that central banks, we can maybe speak specifically to the Fed, stay behind the curve of this inflation, meaning they cannot get ahead of it because they're unwilling to raise rates fast enough to keep up with increasing inflation. And that can actually stoke inflation if if people are basically seeing a central bank unable to get ahead of the inflation. But let's break these down real quick. I'm just going to devote 30 seconds to each of these uh, scenarios. Scenario one, you have low interest rates and they stay low despite the rise of inflation. This is usually going to be through through two means. First of all, like I said, synthetic demand, usually through money printing from, from central banks. And, and the second one is going to be through um, certain regulations um, requiring things like pensions, Banks, financial firms are a big part to hold bonds as um, as an important part of their capitalization regulations. Scenario two would be uh, lower rates that then rise with inflation. This can be actually positive for precious metals. I mean, first of all, the obvious negative could be that hey, people are seeing bonds or corporate debt 
uh, corporate bonds rise and yield. And, and they see that as attractive and buy those rather than precious metals. But on the flip side, we're in a, in a very high debt economy and rising rates are going to lead to bankruptcies and, and potentially a, a major crisis, a financial crisis. Scenario three, I kind of already explained. You have low rates and they start to rise with inflation, but a Fed, a Federal Reserve that is worried about an outcome like what I just talked about, whether it's popping asset bubbles or, or blowing up the financial system, they choose to not raise rates fast enough, leading to them basically being behind the curve. Inflation rises anyways. Now, inflation is a dangerous thing to any economy and to any currency and to any society. It tends to be something that once it gets started in a large amount, it is hard to get back under control. You know, look back into the 70s. It wasn't until Paul Volcker took, um, took over as the Fed chairman that they were able to, to get that inflation under control. And, and he had to basically institute the Volcker rule. He, he, he got, he had to try very hard to get ahead of that inflation. You know, I talked about this kind of like, uh, this, this way in which, you know, a Fed can, can get ahead of the curve. And, and that's essentially what he did. He raised rates into like the teens. I mean, that's, that's crazy considering where they're at right now. Um, raised them into the teens and, and it, it crushed inflation. Inflation started, he was successful in that. Now, the difference between the 1980s, early 1980s and, and early 2020s is that we have an incredible amount of debt in every level of our economy today. Our total debt to GDP is at an insanely high level, and I'm not talking just government debt, but consumer debt and corporate debt. And when you raise rates, um, it's simply, it's simply not feasible. Um, and it's not feasible for most major developed economies. Um, European Union is filled with, with zombie companies, right? And so essentially what I'm saying is that we are going to end up with one of those three scenarios. But my bet is going to be something along the lines of scenario three. I don't think the Fed through, through, um, purchase of bonds or through, uh, their own Fed funds rate or other policies that they're going to be able to completely suppress rates despite, uh, you know, let's say 10%, 12% inflation. They're going to raise rates in response to the coming inflation. They're going to be behind and remain behind the curve. Because getting ahead of the curve would necessitate a complete, probably a complete financial crisis. The, the financial system is, is unable to handle 2% Fed funds rate, 3%, let alone 5, 6, 8%. And so what does this mean for precious metals? Um, like I said, interest rates are hugely important. And, and, and essentially what I see happening is rates rising but not to the extent that they need to, to, to take the wind out of any potential bull market and precious metals. And, and keep in mind, you know, all this, this stuff I'm talking about, these, these, you know, relations between markets, uh, interest rates and precious metals and whatnot. I'm ignoring things like the supply and demand fundamentals for precious metals, a huge amount of demand that we've seen, the huge amount of enthusiasm we've seen behind silver in 2021 and 2020. And, and, and those are like hugely positive and, and bullish for silver. So I'm not even mentioning those a whole lot right now. I'm just saying interest rate wise, that's that's where I think we're going to be in the coming years. The Fed will eventually catch on to this inflation, but they're going to be well, well behind the curve. Now, 
Another thing that I foresee happening in line with this inflation, which, as I said, is going to, I think, change everything and not just for precious metals, is this idea that uh, we're going to see investors. You know, I saw I, I was listening to this was last week, not this week, but last week, Larry McDonald talking on on macro voices and talking about this rotation from from growth to value. And, and the idea behind it was 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 something that we've seen in the past essentially he's saying that investors are positioned for the 2020s as if the 2020s are going to be identical to the 2010s a uh, period of financial um you know a low rate uh, I wouldn't say deflationary environment I think a lot of people love to use that term I think inflation was much higher than actually was was stated to be but relatively speaking a lower interest rate environment and it allowed for this massive increase in debt and it also allowed for um I don't want to use the word speculation but I think that's true but but it but allowed for certain assets including a, a large chunk of the broader stock market, the, the tech market, um, yes, cryptocurrencies, the real estate market, a lot of those things to perform really well because of that environment. And inflation changes that and changes everything. I don't think we're no longer going to be in a low, quote-unquote, low inflation, low uh, interest rate environment, but that we're going to be in a rising inflationary environment and a rising interest rate environment, which is going to make it very difficult. And oh, and by the way, probably not a very strong economy either. And that's going to play into a lot of these funds that for years have flown into these stocks that in some cases have not, um, do, do not pull in profits that justify their, their valuation. Or, or even revenues that value their generation, their, their valuation, even if, 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 uh, you know, for those that are not yet profitable, you know, the, the, the ones that always come to mind that I always talk about are ones like Tesla. I mean, Tesla is a, a massive car company in terms of market cap. And yet, you know, the, their profits and their revenues, I don't think their sales don't, don't justify their size. It says on this idea, this pre, this pre bet, pre, um, presupposition that that economic growth is is going to remain high and that liquidity and interest liquidity will remain high credit growth will continue and that interest rates will remain low and and you change those those variables and you end up with a, a whole lot of companies that i mean don't get me wrong like look look, look at a facebook like google uh, microsoft and amazon uh a lot of those fang stocks or fame fang stocks with an M now. You know, those are all companies that are legitimate huge powerhouse companies in today's not just US but but global economy. Um and yet they're overvalued in many regards, right? They they simply are growth companies and and because of that their their stock price, their market cap has far exceeded what should be their what should be their market cap and what should be their valuation um, relative to profits and whatnot. And and you have a whole ton of other assets and companies that are on the other side of the spectrum. I'm thinking things like uh, precious metals, precious metals miners, um, a lot of energy stocks um, um, and, and, and assets in general, uh, a lot of commodities in general, 
you know, truth be told, a lot of, of metals, a lot of commodities. Um, and that's even despite, you know, the recent inflation and the recent, um, you know, really large rises in the price of a lot of, of grains and foods and, and iron and, and, uh, lumber and, and even, you know, precious metals have done well in the last year. Despite that, there, there's still a lot of, well, value to be had in these value investments. And I think that with inflation changing the landscape, whether we're looking at interest rates, credit growth, liquidity, uh, um, fiscal and, and, and monetary policy, um, you, you do have an environment in which a lot of investors, um, retirees, soon to be retirees, investment funds, pension funds, mutual funds, hedge funds, uh, many of them are, are positioned as if 2020s are going to be identical to the 2010s. And, and I think that that's not going to be the case because again, inflation changes everything. Right. And, and, and I get it that this is a big leap that all of a sudden inflation is finally going to rise. And, and I will give, I will give it to, to deflationists out there that, that they have legitimate arguments against inflation. Um, in the sense that, it's it's there's been a lot of people that have been wrong about this rising inflation i mean the the caveat that i'll always offer when it comes to inflation is that i do believe that in the last 10 and 20 10 20 50, 25 30 years it has been um measured far below than what it actually was uh you can see a lot of this over in shadow stats and elsewhere but but inflation is massively understated and i think that that needs to be understood um, and, and it needs to be mentioned as a caveat, but, but the other, but the other side of it is, is that like it, it has been a relatively low inflation environment for a very long time. And I get it that at some point you, there's been a lot of people that have, have cried wolf and, and inflation hasn't risen as much as some people expected. Uh, but, but, but it really has been a sea change in the last year since, well, since it's like COVID inspired, you know, recession finally began. You not only had the Fed start off with exactly, you know, a lot of the policies that many people predicted, whether it was further monetization of debt, QE, repo market, um, um, even buying corporate debt. Um, but, but fiscal policy was the big change when, especially here in the United States, you had massive investments. Um, in, in, in trying to spark some sort of recovery through fiscal policy, through, through stimulus checks, through, through more recently things like infrastructure programs, um, um, various, you know, tax credits, things of the, of that nature, a huge amount of fiscal stimulus. And, and I think what we'll come to find is that, you know, like, like many people have said, uh, maybe when it's all said and done, QE is not as inflationary to, to uh, the average consumer, as many people thought, uh, and that it's maybe more inflationary for, for financial assets, but fiscal stimulus, um, is, is maybe going to be much, much more inflationary for, for, for consumer goods, for, for food, for, and, and don't get me wrong. Like I said, we have seen a lot of inflation even prior to, to 2020. Um, and, and we certainly saw it in a huge way in, in certain parts of of the of the you know the overall basket that that is you know consumer goods or consumer services um but but we're going to see that i think to a much greater extent and it's not a question of when I, I think it already has started and and i wouldn't be surprised if as we head into the summer and in the fall it, it moderates in the sense that you know maybe 
month over month CPI falls closer to like 0.4% for a bit, 03 0.2, 0.5, you know. But ultimately, I do think that it is on the return. And I think that, you know, one of the real risks with inflation is that, you know, one, uh, you know, one month, a couple months is, is one thing of, of, you know, relatively high month over month inflation. But once you start stringing together a couple of quarters, a, a couple of years of, of high inflation relative to what we experienced for 10 or 20 years, 30 years, maybe um, 40, maybe probably going back to the 80s is the last time we had you know, decently high inflation consistently. Once you start stringing together a couple months, or sorry, a couple quarters, a couple years, uh, th- that that plays into the psychology of inflation. Like you know, you many of you have heard the quote, and I'm going to butcher the quote here, but inflation is in um, is always and in every way a, a monetary phenomenon. And I know I butchered it, and 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 that's not basically that it's all you know monetary phenomenon that inflation is but but psychology i do think plays a huge role in it and if consumers and if investors continue to see high inflation they're going to continue to expect high inflation at some point and so you see sort of a well a sea change um a a a huge amount of money i'm talking trillions of dollars that again were set up for a a a a situation in an environment that no longer exists because of inflation, because inflation changes everything, especially here in the United States. And I think that's going to leave precious metals and a lot of other value type of assets as the beneficiary. I know this is long-winded. I know this is a long explanation, but I want to lay this out in a, in a, in as clear of a way as I can in, in terms of how I see this going forward. And I could be wrong. Deflation could, could come back or low inflation, relatively speaking, whatever you want to call it, that can come back. Right. Um, and, and I could be wrong. I could be another person crying wolf, but I do believe that in 2020, something has changed in this dynamic. And I, and I do think that, that people that say things like, Hey, um, the U S government or sorry, the, the Congress and, and the white house are, are really determined to, Continue with these this fiscal stimulus uh, in order to to revitalize the economy because they don't want to lose the 2022 uh, midterms. I think there's a lot of legitimacy to that argument. That's something that this Larry McDonald also brought up. Um, how about the fact that the the Federal Reserve is having difficulty with their QE? Um, essentially, they continue they've continued their QE policy, um, but many have have opined that that they may be needing to get you know, think about tapering like yesterday, you know, maybe not soon because, because the financial system is showing, um, that, that they, you know, are, are running out of reserves, right? With this massive spike in reverse repos outside of a, you know, quarter end or a year end time frame. And, 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 and so then if you, if you have an ailing economy, an economy that is not what it was, uh, at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, and you're trying to get it back there, and, and monetary policy has been, you know, the Federal Reserve maybe has been, I hesitate to use the term neutered because I do think that their debt monetization is going to have to play a huge role in this going forward, and I talked about that in recent podcasts, including 
direct monetization of debt, purchase of extra assets other than just bonds, a much greater involvement in things like corporate debt, maybe even stocks, consumer debt, which to some extent they've already purchased in the form of you know mortgage-backed securities, but that that's going to, to increase massively. So I don't want to say that they're not going to play a big role in it, but that they are going to have to hand this off. And I don't think it's just a matter of handing it off to other central banks. I think here in the United States, if they want to continue on this this pipe dream of a normal, rapid, you know, somewhat V-shaped recovery, they're going to have to rely on fiscal policy in the federal government. And that is going to be inflationary. These are all positive for precious metals. Precious metals suffered under the previous regime. Um, and, and yes, I do think a fair bit of it was manipulation and certainly manipulation of inflation data as well. But in the... Uh, in the years to come as inflation returns in a big way. And, and believe me, like I said, it already has. I think it's going to change everything, especially for silver and gold. And it's so much more complex than just saying, hey, they're going to perform well in an inflationary environment because of, of uh, you know, preservation of wealth and whatnot. Um, I, I think I think you're going to see a lot of money flow into them and they're going to they're going to well outperform something like just the rate of inflation, especially silver, given its setup and given recent demand and enthusiasm, physical supply and demand fundamentals overall. Um, so I said at the beginning here, you know, there's a couple updates I wanted to offer for my podcast. Um, first of all, if you didn't get a chance, I did an interview earlier this week with uh, Steve Penny from the Silver Chartist Report. I'd encourage you to check it out. Otherwise, um, if if you don't want to, there's a link down below in the description as well to his report. It's a free weekly newsletter. It's a, a really great resource, and and it's certainly something that I've been using recently. Specifically, he he talks a lot about the price action of silver and gold um, in in the markets, but but he also talks a fair bit about uh, things like mining stocks, which offer you a bit of leverage in the space. Um, talks a lot about uranium as well, something that I've really, my eyes have really been open to in the past uh, few months. So certainly check that out. There's a paid option as well, which which um, which certainly offers a ton of extra information. But certainly you can think of the free as, as basically like a trial run and see if you like his style of content. And that is something that benefits me as well in the sense that um, he's essentially a sponsor of this podcast or that it's an affiliate type of program. And so I appreciate that as well. But, you know, something to check out and, and is free, um, but offers a ton of, in, ton of great information, ton of, it's great resource. You know, the other thing I want to talk about is an upcoming podcast next week that I'll be doing, um, with, with a, uh, sorry, I'm going to have to find the name here because I forget it off the top of my head. Um, he is from, uh, uh um, um, Apmex, um, and this will be Patrick Yip of Appmex, um, uh, and, and one gold, um, essentially kind of works between the two of them. Um, so that'll be something that, that I think you guys can look forward to. Um, there's certainly some things I want to ask him about with, with, you know, the insight that he can offer, um, and everything from, from how, you know, raids, you know, quote unquote, silver raids over the past few months have been influencing the, their, their company and, and what type of an impact have that has that had on their sales and their ability to, to, you know, keep silver in stock, um, to, to one gold itself, as well as, uh, you know, just the, 
how crazy of a year it's been in the last year or so, year and a couple months for, for the silver market in terms of demand. Um, and then the final thing I wanted to, to talk about is, is a big thing that I've been working on for, for several months now. And that's a, a book, a fiction book that I've been working on. Um, you know, maybe it best fall into the ca- category of, of, uh, um, like a, like a disaster type fiction. Um, and, and that's something that you guys can each look forward to in the coming months. Um, hopefully I'll have it out sometime in, in, you know, July, August. Um, it's going to be a part of a, a series, but that's something I'm looking forward to sharing with each of you. And I hope that that's, um, that, that we can get that off the ground pretty quick here, but, but keep, uh, keep your ears out for that as well. Something I'll be setting up as far as like a, like a mailing list, um, which sounds old school and I think it is, but, but something that I think a lot of people, Continue to to respond well to like an email ma- mailing list. Um, certainly, uh, something I'm just excited about working, putting a lot of hours into lately, and and something I'm excited to share with each of you. And so I think that's something that a lot of you will enjoy a lot, um, even if if the genre is relatively new to you. Uh, you know, otherwise, um, haven't been making as many podcasts as consistently lately. Um, and that's, you know, going to be the case some weeks in which I just get busy or, or have things like a book to work on or other, um, engagements. But as always, I, I do appreciate those of you that, that faithfully tune in, um, to, to these podcasts. And so I appreciate that. Thank every one of you as always, you know, from the bottom of my heart, um, for tuning into these podcasts. Um, so thank you and, uh, and God bless.